0: As Renee said a moment ago, we are concluding our series today that I'm calling Prayer 101. And it feels in some ways that we're just getting started, just getting warmed up. But we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the three essential prayers. Help, thanks, and wow. And this series is based on a book by Anne Lamott by that very same title. And we have been using uh, as a guide to help us see these prayers, using them as a lens, the book of Psalms. And the truth is, is that sometimes we need, don't we, we need a guide for conversing with God. This ancient book of prayers offers us that. And it's important for us to remember that when we read the Psalms, That it's not so much God's words to us as they are the spiritual community's prayers back to God. They are uttered in times of, of enormous heartache, and they are sung in times of unbelievable joy and celebration. I think perhaps the most important part of the Psalms is that they are a reminder to us that there are no words that we can say that God can't handle. That in those moments when we're angry, when we're desperate, and we want to shake our fists at God, that God can handle it. And that we join with our spiritual ancestors in faith who have endured devastation and despair, both on a communal but also on a personal level. And in those moments when we're filled with joy, we want to sing a song to God, overwhelmed by the beauty and the grace of this human journey, of what it means to be fully alive We join our voices with our ancestors in faith. Again, it's all there, the entire gamut. It's all there in the Psalms, a template for honest prayer, expressing expressing our passions, our emotions, and our deepest feelings. I shared with you last week and the week before that there are essentially three different types of Psalms. There are Psalms of lament when we say things like help, there are songs, psalms of thanksgiving when we offer our gratitude, and there are psalms of praise. This one, as you will hear in just a moment, is a psalm of praise. And so I would invite you to listen and hear, to hear the author's sense of wonder and awe at the majesty of God.
1: The scripture reading today comes from the 8th Psalm. Here begins the reading. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beast of the field, The birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here ends the reading the word of God for the people of God.
0: So not that you asked, or even maybe that you even care, but the rhythm of my week typically looks like this, that on Thursdays, I sit down and I write my sermon for this coming Sunday. I then sort of give it a couple days to marinate. I pick it back up on Saturday and do some final tweaking and tuning on Sunday morning. But with the holiday this week and a short week, we, we, we gave our church staff Wednesday off as well as a, as a way of expressing our gratitude to them. And so I carved out some time on Tuesday to write my sermon this week in hopes of having some extra time to spend with my family over the holidays. But then I got the news of the Muckleroy's late Wednesday night. And since that time, I've been dealing with the crisis, and we put together a vigil that was absolutely beautiful on Friday night, and we gathered together and were church in the fullest sense of the word. And to be honest with you, I didn't even think about what I was going to say this morning until after that vigil on Friday night. But all that I knew in that moment was that what I had written on Tuesday no longer fit. Now, I will tell you that it was a good sermon, (laughs) but you'll never hear it, because today we are a community of faith that is hurting, and we are brokenhearted, and we have questions, and we come, all of us, myself included, hoping, hoping for a word, for an answer, for something, Because all of this feels more real today, doesn't it? That what we do in this space, it feels to matter more today than any given Sunday. But what I need you to know is this that if you came looking for answers, I'm afraid you're going to leave disappointed. Because I don't have any. Not today. This morning, I preach more out of what I don't know than what I do know, and the best, the most honest thing that I can say to you today, the thing that I can offer you the most is to tell you that I am hurting too, and that I am heartbroken, and that I have questions just like you, and just like you, I have been trying over the last few days just to catch my breath. Because there are moments in life, aren't there? There are moments when life takes our breath away, and we are speechless when we can when we can barely utter a syllable, let alone a word or a sentence. Because it all just it all just feels too big. In her book, Anne Lamott says this. She says, "When we are stunned to the place beyond words, when an aspect of life." takes us away from being able to to chip away at something until it's down to a manageable size and then just sort of file it away. When all that we can say in response to that moment is, wow, that, she says, that's a prayer. And what I can tell you this morning is that what wowed me on Tuesday was very different than what wowed me on Thursday in the days since. As I said in my email to the congregation notifying you all of this incredible tragedy, I said when tragedy strikes, we often we often don't know what to say or to do, but scripture reminds us that when we don't know what to pray, that in those moments the spirit the spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. With sighs too deep for human words. I don't know about you, but I have been doing a lot of sighing these last few days. And in some moments, that's all we are capable of. But what I know to be true is that that's enough. It's enough because, I've, as I've shared with you before, both in Hebrew and in Greek, the Old Testament and the New Testament, those languages, that the word for spirit is the same word for breath. Breath. In Hebrew, the word is ruach. In Greek, the word is pneuma. And it's the same word for spirit as it is for Greek. And, and to me, that's a reminder, that's a reminder, I think, that God is always with us, as close to us as the next breath. And that each time we breathe in, we fill ourselves with the Spirit of God. And so in those moments when all we can do is sigh, with sighs too deep for human words, that those, that those are prayers too. Of course, there, there are other times, there are other places, there are other experiences when you just know, don't you? When you just know that that moment right now, right here, wherever you are, that this is where I'm supposed to be. At this particular moment, in this particular universe, this is the place, this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And in those moments, you feel, you feel alive. You feel at home And you have the sense that this matters most in the world at this particular moment. Moments like when when a child is born. When you hear an amazing piece of music that makes the hair on the back of your head stand up. When you share a good meal with a friend. In those moments, the words that we use is, is transcendent. And in that moment, you were overwhelmed with the realization that this moment, that this, that there is this precious, this sacred, this holy gift that is life. And the Hebrews have another word for that. The term is kavod, and sometimes it gets translated to glory. And originally, it was a business term, and it spoke of weights and measures, that, that you had to make sure that the scales were just right in order to make a a business transaction, a fair business transaction, but over time it came to know to mean more than that. And over time it spoke of weight in a figurative sense of weight. It would talk about the significance of something, that some things just weigh more, and we all have those experiences when we realize that some things, that some things can't be measured on a scale, that the things that matter The most, the things that weigh the most can't be weighed. There's the sense that this matters most in this moment. There is the sense that this precious, sacred, holy gift of life, the one life that we are given, that everyone has been given, that we have been invited to see that this matters. And that it is just that, that it is precious, that it is sacred, that it is holy. And as a result of that, I suspect, and I'm willing to bet that all of us have held on to our loved ones a little tighter these last couple of days, that we've expressed our gratitude a little louder, that we have offered grace a little more freer. Because we've all had a reminder this week of what really matters. That the things that weigh the most can't be weighed. In the series, we've been looking at the three essential prayers. Help, an admission of our powerlessness, a plea for assistance. And and I suspect that we've all prayed that at least once this week. And, And then there's moments of thanks, simply a cry of gratitude. And I suspect that we've all prayed a prayer of that this week, and, and wow is the word we utter when we recognize a whisper of the divine in this world, that it's all around us, and we have that sense of clarity, we have that moment of clarity, that this, that all of this is holy. It's our prayer when something sudden and us leaves us so moved and so touched that we are practically speechless that all we can say in that moment is wow, and we can't fully process what's happening in our usual terms, and all we can do is utter, utter that one word. And sometimes, isn't it, sometimes it's wow, and then other times, it's wow. Sometimes, sometimes it's brought on by the beauty of nature. the way an an artist captures the ineffable. Maybe it's it's when we see a a human triumph over adversity. Maybe it's the the first taste of something that is ridiculously delicious, or maybe it's a a beautiful flower. It's, It's watching a child experience something for the first time. Because like help and like thanks, there is this full range of possible emotion behind that wow, and it can be mesmerizing, and it can be magnificent, and sometimes it can be, even if we are honest, a little terrifying, and sometimes it can be heartbreaking. There is this very popular stream of thought, this way of viewing the world, and that is that, that given enough time that we'll be able to explain everything. That if we have enough time, we'll somehow have all the answers. We'll be able to explain everything. And think, think how far we've come. Just a, a few hundred years ago, if, if a volcano erupted, we would think, oh, no, the volcano gods are angry. There was a, a mythical explanation. And then we came to the age of enlightenment and, and we came to see that there were these tectonic plates and there were weather patterns and we came to see that there were rational explanations to understanding the world, why things happen. But now, now post-enlightenment, what sometimes we refer to as post-modern, we come to see that over and over again what, what we know and what we understand, that the more that we know, the more that we understand We come to see just how much we don't know. With this increase of knowledge comes the realization that the universe is even bigger than we imagined. And we discovered that there's multiple Milky Ways and that there's multiple things and yet at the same time it's also smaller and we can now split an atom. That the universe is bigger but smaller, it's less predictable, it's even stranger then we thought that there is so much that we don't know. And in those moments, we continue to stand and scratch our head and catch our breath and say, wow. Just this last week, Lamont published an opinion piece in the Washington Times. And in it, she pointed out that when she was 33, she knew Everything. When she was 33, she knew everything, and now at 69, she says she knows some things even more important. She knows that she doesn't know everything, that she can't know everything. She knows now at 69 that she didn't know at 33 that she can't rescue anyone, she can't fix anyone, least alone herself. And she knows now at 69 what she didn't know at 33 that this life is not going to go on forever. And that's what makes it so precious. And we have been reminded of that in a very powerful and painful way this week. Last night, as we were driving home from Austin, I thought about an experience that I had several years ago about 13, 14, 15 years ago when my kids were the same age as Judson and Lindsay. that I took them to the park and they were running around and they were having a great time and there there was this dad there though that spent his whole time on his phone. And his kids kept coming up to me and they kept trying to tag him and trying to goad him into playing and... He didn't take the bait though. He just kept looking at his phone, and his kids were running around and they were laughing and they were playing and they were having a great time. And he was there, but he wasn't really there. Do you know what I mean? Later, when I was reflecting on that experience, I thought to myself, how sad! How sad! Because his kids are only going to be young for a short while and they want desperately to play with him in that moment and he's missing it. The joy, the laughter, the wonder. He's missing it. And do you want to know the worst part of that story? Is that that dad was me. My kids wanted to play, they wanted to run, they wanted to push them on a swing, and I sat there on a bench and I stared at my phone and I was scrolling social media, and I was more concerned about what you were doing than what I was doing. And I missed it. And now they're older, and they don't wanna play like that anymore. And I miss it even more the wonder, the awe, the laughter, the joy, the wow, I miss it even more. You see, these moments of grace, these opportunities to experience wonder and all these moments that take our breath away, they are all around us. They're all around us, but we need to be paying attention. The glory of God, the kavod, it's all around us and sometimes it's small and almost hard to understand and to see. But it's simply a matter of having our eyes opened, having our hearts open, and to being present in that moment. And if we have learned anything in the last couple days, it's that most of our work here as humans, as people of faith, is to stop hitting the snooze button, to pay attention. Because the things that weigh the most, they can't be weighed to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to be open to the wonder and to the awe, to see and to experience the wow that is all around us. There's a rabbi, one of the leading Jewish theologians of the 20th century, who once said, I didn't ask for success. I asked for wonder. And God gave it to me. You see, finding awe and wonder in this world, even in the smallest of moments, that's the opposite of death. That is life to its fullest and its most abundant, and to do it, we must be bold enough to to put down the remote, to turn off the phone, to take chances, to hold our loved ones a little tighter, to venture out into the world and to look around, to open our eyes, to open our hearts, and to simply say in that moment, Help. Thanks. Wow. I suspect that we've all said those prayers this week. And if that's all we ever pray, it'll be enough. Help.
1: Thanks.